Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Love that sound. This is a good one. All righty then. Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am Dale Lugaville. Thank you for joining me. I know it's been a while. Uh, I believe the same thing happened this time last year as I head out to South Dakota to guide for uh, spring snow geese. It's like it's impossible to keep up a podcast when I'm out there because literally starting oh, it's gonna be an excuse. He's making excuses. Um, it is what it is. Uh, I start well before the sun. I'm not done till after the sun. About enough time to get a burger and a beer in me and pass out and start all over again on about five and a half hours of sleep. So doesn't leave much time to record a podcast, much less put one together, um, edit it, upload it, and all that good jazz but uh next year i will try to be more prepared and just have a bunch in the can that way um there's no gaps but so we got a little bit of a gap i'm able to do one today uh because uh unfortunately i had to make an emergency trip back home uh take some days off of guiding uh my dog anna is not doing so hot um so we'll keep you up to date on that uh she has renal failure due to uh, prolonged Lyme disease. So I don't know when she got it. It's undiagnosed, obviously. Uh, so they're trying to kickstart the, um, the kidneys, try to get them back up and running. If that is successful, great. Then all we have to do is uh, treat the Lymes, and I'll probably have a few more years with her. She's 10. If, uh, if not, I'll probably say go- have to say goodbye. So. Anyways, that's that's that. You're updated on that. Uh, before I get into this, like, uh, multiple weeks recap and uh, 
Uh, maybe I'll rant. Maybe I won't. Um, a quick unsolicited commercial uh, from my, my friend Alan Kishler from Kishler's Customs LLC. Find him on Facebook. Uh, here in Minnesota, the uh, the open water fishing season is uh, fastly, fastly, is fastly a word? Is quickly approaching as a, a early spring, which I don't think anybody's mad at. Uh, that's pretty awesome. So people have already made a ton of posts about how they're putting their um, ice fishing stuff away, which, I mean, you'd have to. I don't think there's fishable ice anywhere in the state right now. And I uh, drove by some open lakes or partially open lakes today. So let's get the open water stuff getting going. And most people's first things they do is pan fishing because the here in Minnesota we have a walleye bike pass, mus- musky. Did I say pass? Wow. Words are difficult for me. Apparently, I am out of practice. Um, bass, pike, muskies, walleye all have an opener with uh, pike and walleye and a catch and release season on bass starting like, uh, I don't know what the date is this year, but it's usually like the first or second weekend in May. Right after, it's the same weekend as Mother's Day because people in Minnesota are geniuses and like to cause fights, basically, is all I can come up with for that. But panfish is open year round. So, most people take to pan fishing early season. They move up into the shallows. It's a shit ton of fun. So get yourself, contact, go on Facebook, contact Alan Kishler, Kishler Customs LLC, and make him, have him make you a panfish rod, a custom panfish rod. Not those little dinky, short, five-and-a-half-foot garbage things you buy at the box stores that come with this itty-bitty tiny rod or reel on it you don't want that the system i set up is awesome you can cast super light lures a long way uh super sensitive rod you'll love it it's literally my favorite rod in the box i paired it with a thousand series daiwa and the thing is awesome so if you would like and he has no idea that i'm doing this by the way this is just off the cuff um tell him you want the full scale ultralight. And then hopefully he remembers. If not, he can call me and I can give him the specs on it and he'll make you one. Because it's uh it's pretty awesome. I absolutely love this thing. I know you got if you've if you listen to the show long enough, you've heard me rant about it, rave about it uh enough times. Um, but I don't know. I'm just itching itching to use it, but it's gonna be a while because I will head back to South Dakota and uh have a gun on my hands for a little bit. But when I get back we fishing. We fishing hardcore. So I can't wait to break out that rod and reel and get to work. So there you go. There's your commercial for this uh for this episode. And I'm not even sure what to call it. I guess it's a I guess it's a recap and rant of sorts. Um so I got out to uh Lake Preston, South Dakota around March eighth and uh, set up a spread. Took a while. My buddy Austin was out there. Uh he helped me. Uh, I can't remember how many hours it took us, but we put out uh, 12 bags. I have no idea how many decoys are in a bag. They're all random. Uh, but it's a big spread. We'll just put it that way. And there was a bunch of adults around. Um, but we got set up, and we actually uh, had time to hunt, and we killed some birds, which was pretty awesome. I think my first uh, set of clients were then in a couple days. It was like that following Wednesday because uh, the Monday was an 8th. And then, uh, boy, I really need to write out this stuff down. I know we were getting a few birds here and there. It was nothing crazy. Um, a lot of adults around, and 
if anybody who doesn't know, like these adult snow geese are like the wariest bird on the planet. They're hunted nine months out of the year. The only time they're not hunted basically is when they're on the nest and rearing their young. And the moment they leave the Arctic and start flying, uh, they're shot at. <laughs> and all the way down from the Arctic Circle to southern United States and right back up again. So they're very wary. And if you look at the the lifespan of a snow goose uh, and when they started this spring conservation order, pretty much every snow goose alive today was hatched under the umbrella of that spring conservation order. So this is the only life they've known. They've become very wary and uh, can be quite quite hard to hunt, which why you need large spreads and e-collars and rotary machines and flappers and clones and pretty much every trick you can possibly think of to consistently uh, fool these birds, if that's even possible. Um, but to add to that, we got a little tiny snowstorm, which at first I was pretty psyched about because I've had some really banger shoots in winter storms. Like it makes them panicky. They can't fly a mile high like they usually do. They can't see you, and you can hardly see them, um, but it usually ends up working out to be a pretty good hunt. That was not the case for us in this snowstorm. I only got like two inches, three inches maybe, um, but super windy, and uh, just, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't that great. Um, so I thought, well, after the fact, you know, once you get snow on the ground, it stops snowing, these birds are going to be hungry, they're going to have to make a move. We see a big mass migration back south, all adults and we had just started to pick up a couple juvies right before that snowstorm and now it's like reset all adults back to scratching your head and being frustrated watching birds kind of either straight up ignore you or kind of sort of work but you know stay 100 yards out of range and just drift off so it could be quite frustrating so then that started to melt birds started moving back north again dealing with those Stupid adults. And then we start seeing juvies again, starting to get a little bit better action. And then we get a big winter storm. And at first, I think Lake Preston Air is supposed to be on, like, the northern edge because there was, like, a winter warning up to 8 inches in um, southern South Dakota. But every time you pull up the actual weather for Lake Preston area, it only said, like, you know, 1 to 3 inches or whatever. So I'm like, ah, oh, it shouldn't be too bad. That could be really good for us, you know, get – Snow south, push rest those birds up to us, and uh, should be good. Well, as it got closer and closer to the event, that forecasted snow total kept increasing a couple inches at a time. <laughs> and uh, let's just say, unexpectedly, wake up the next day, and it, and it didn't even didn't even start snowing right away. Like it was forecast to start earlier and it was mostly rain. So I'm like, well, good. That usually means you're not going to get as much snow as they thought because it didn't switch over as early as they thought. Well, we woke up to a giant drift in front of our hotel door. There's about eight inches of fresh snow uh, in the field. And this was blowing like 30 mile an hour winds, 40 mile an hour gusts, like pretty much legit blizzard. The spread was an absolute nightmare. Uh, every sock was so jam-packed full of snow, that driving snow, that it was, they were like full bodies, except 
they didn't look like full bodies. <laughs> They're drooping down with the weight. And then so now you got to go out and start shaking all these decoys out. I don't know how many I have. It's got to be. It's 1,200 at least decoys out there. And you can only shake out so many at a time. And that particular day, like I, I got to work starting to shake out and had a new set of clients. We didn't start right away because the roads weren't clear. We were waiting for the plows to clear the roads uh, for just that was the safe thing to do. So we didn't really get rolling until I think it was 10 or 11 o'clock. We get out to the field, and when we get to the field, I see these little flocks of birds, and they're bailing. They're, they're, they're bailing southbound, but they are, like, basically passing over our blind in range. And so, you know, we were going to have the whole, you know, everybody's going to help shake out decoys and get the spread ready to hunt. And I basically said, here's the deal. You guys came out here to pay, shoot some birds. If we're all out here in the spread shaking out, we're going to miss out on this opportunity. You guys stay in the blind. I'll start working on the spread. You know, we'll just start right in the, the kill spot where we want to make that, get that start looking really good. And that way, you know, I can kneel down or I can hide and I can let, you know, I'll look around, holler if you see something coming, you know, and we'll go from there. And that did work. They actually did shoot some birds. I don't remember what our grand total was, but um, it wasn't like a giant pile or anything. But it was – we're in the teens, I do believe. Um, so that was fun. And it um, could have been more, but, you know, the shooting was sporadic because it was still really windy. And anyway, the shot in that kind of extreme, you know, 30-plus mile-an-hour winds, it's – it blows your shot all over hell. Like I, I can't even really get on the clients for for that one. Like it's just that's just tough, tough shooting. Um, and even with that, they were able to put some birds on the ground. So that was that was pretty awesome. Um, the bad part is obviously like here come the adults again. We just started getting those juvies, and let's go ahead and push those out of the area again, and uh, right back to adults. And it took quite a few days as it stayed cold for three, four days to get that snow to start melting off. And it was slowly but surely, you know, the pack would just get lower every day and then start to get a few bare spots. Once you get bare spots, that March sun is pretty potent. It can start it can start melting off pretty fast. So I wasn't able to get everything shook out day one. Day two, we get there, and I just start, I, I go right back to it, shaking out decoys, uh, take a break, whatever. I knew I wasn't going to get all done that day. And it basically took me three days to get all the decoys shook out. And, you know, normally I like silo socks, but, man, when it comes to shaking snow out of a decoy, a sock decoy, <sighs> silo socks are the worst. They have that interior bag, and so you get, like, snow in the inside, you get snow in between the two bags, and you get snow in between that um, bag and the and the outside. It, it's just it's an absolute nightmare. And it's not a big opening either. So you're trying to shake this stuff out. It's wet. It's clumped together. And the ass, you end up getting like this snowball because, you know, it's it's the weight of it's drooping the sock down. So all the water goes down there. And then it refreezes and you just have this like ice ball down there. And then you have to smash that up to get that to come out of the little slits on the on the opening. It was a monumental pain in the dick. Oh, my God. It sucks so bad. And then uh, if and then hunting was tough after that for a while, and then uh, started to melt. And we're in this in this field we're using the panel blind. We had two lucky ducks put together, holds like nine people, brushed in really well. I had it kind of down this ditch area, um, 
brought it up against this like hillside. It blended in awesome. And then stuff started to melt and rapidly. <laughs> like really rapidly. Before that it was getting muddy and I had and the wind kind of knocked off a bunch of blind material and one of the clients was like, it was I brought a bunch of blind material over. He's like, man, you should get some more of that grass. We can put it down on the floor. I was like, that's a really good idea. Except I'm going to do you one way better at break time. I am running to town, and I am buying some bales of straw, which was hashtag game changer. Uh, awesome. Kept everything dry because, you know, when everything was melting, you got your the butt of your gun down laying there, and it's just in the mud. And every time you shoulder, you just smear mud all over you. Like, it's just dirty, which is Pretty typical snow goose, spring snow goose hunting. It's kind of comes with the territory. Um, but there was a workaround, and that workaround was a bale of straw. Worked awesome. Until we started noticing that the, the straw was floating. <laughs> we could see, like, this snow dam basically up the ditch. We're like, um, I think we need to make a move. And so we, fortunately, these panel blinds are not too hard to move. So we picked the, we picked the panel blind up, and then we moved it, um, up kind of up onto the bank where there's like weeds and stuff growing. So it didn't get plowed. So it was obviously, you know, high enough that it or in, I don't know, junky enough, just trees and saplings and stuff there. So high enough that it shouldn't flood, didn't get plowed. So it wasn't really muddy. So that was good. And I scooped up some of that wet straw and put it in there, but we did, I bought three bales and I originally only used two bales. So we had the spare bale and so then we uh, supplemented it with that third bale. Awesome. Smiling. And um, really, really good move to do that because it was, I swear to God, like 15 minutes. That ditch was like a roaring torrent, and it just kept getting higher and higher and higher. And it had all the decoys shook out that I could see, but I knew there were some that had fallen over in the wind that were actually totally buried in the snow. Those were the ones I was actually worried about in the storm. In hindsight, I should have kicked all my decoys over because the ones that fell over weren't poofed up and they didn't fill up with snow. Those ones I just picked up, shook off, stuck them back in the ground, smiling. So mm, that was cool. But then as the sun started melting off and the wind started melting off more snow, exposed more decoys that fell over. So I had to keep going out and uh, picking up decoys, of course, because it was so windy even the ones that I had shook out and some of them are starting to fall over. Um, it was just a constant struggle to keep working that spread. And then, um, the following day was supposed to be like, there was, it slowed down. So during the night, a lot of that water was able to drain out as that melting slowed or almost stopped really field. There was frost. The field kind of stiffened up again. Um, but the next day called for sunshine, wind, um, and I can't remember what the temperature was, but it was, I think like 50 or something like that, maybe even 45. But either way, it's like with that sun, that temperature, and that wind, this field is going to clear off today. And what I didn't take into account was that, yes, it is going to melt, but all that water has to go somewhere. Fortunately, the blind was high enough. That wasn't the problem. But suddenly my, like, feed spread turned into a loaf spread because half of it was in standing sheet water on that field. And that once that water really started going, the ditch got even higher yet. We were fine, but it's like, oh, my God, so glad that we moved. That would have been an absolute disaster. Uh, so we, we dodged that bullet. Uh, but then it, it, it drained out pretty fast the next couple of days, and it started to dry, and now we got rain. Um, 
but and that kind of brings us up to date as far as weather conditions are concerned. Um, so I know I don't think it rained out there today, but yesterday it was it was pretty miserable out there. Uh, from what I heard, some people shot some birds, but it wasn't anything uh, too too fantastic, and those conditions were were hardcore. Um, but I do want to give uh, would be like a shout or a, I don't know I'm gonna talk some shit. <laughs> Last weekend. I had uh, this group of guys come out, and it was a, basically a bachelor party. One of them was getting hitched, idiot. And um, so they decided to go hunting, which is that's pretty cool. That's I, Props for that. That's a good party. And uh, they're from Wisconsin, called the Wisco Boys. And uh, they're like, well, you know, obviously you want to kill some birds, but if, if not, we know, how to, we know how to drink beer. So I'm like, all right, we're going to have fun with these guys. This, this is going to be a good time and we did we started joking around right away they're ripping on each other we're having a great time and just in you know where are you from or where do you usually hunt and what's going on and i told them where i was in minnesota i said well, we hunt in um western wisconsin sometimes around this area and this area and this area and the conversation turned a little bit they they they, they kind of turned on their guide they they were like calling me a blue plater and I was like stealing their land, and <laughs> so it turns out we hunt in the same territory, um, to the point that I like showed them on a map where we got into a uh, mallard feed this year, and they were like, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, Western Wisconsin is right next door to me. I'm like 15 minutes from it. It's not like it's that big of a deal. Um, but I thought that was pretty damn funny. We uh we get to, towards evening. There's about I don't know probably about five minutes left to legal shooting. It's getting pretty dark. Um, for those that don't know, in the spring conservation order, you can shoot a half hour after sunset. You know, usually in the fall, it's sunsets your cutoff. Um, but this is a half hour after, so you can you pretty much hunt till you can't see. And this flock comes in, a call a shot. Two of them drop. One drops. One kind of sails away. I'm like, oh, that one's gonna be. That was going to be tough to find as it's getting darker. Well, I run out there, and I grab that first bird, and wouldn't you fucking know it, that thing is banded. I was like, oh, unreal. So I snapped it real quick. And uh, so if anybody's not following me on Snapchat, go find me on Snapchat. It's just Dale Luganbill. Add me. I do a lot of, like, real-time stories on there that don't make it to my Instagram or my Facebook page or anything. It's, like, just it's just easier to kind of set it and forget it on snapchat for a lot of things um so if you're not following me there please go do that um so you know i took some pictures blah blah blah. as i'm grabbing that thing i'm walking by i hear them they light into another flock and i see one fall and then i hear and like right in like four feet from me snow goose falls like jesus i almost got taken out by a damn snow goose which Probably wouldn't have hurt nearly as bad as the time I got hit by a Canada goose, but that's a different story for a different time. Uh, so I picked that one up, and I picked the third one up, and I walked back to blind. So I got a fistful of snow geese, and uh, they're all they're unloading their guns now. It's like it's legal, time to pack up. And um, I walk up to them like, "Well, boys, how do you guys usually do this?" And then, you know, they're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "You guys usually draw for like." Uh, an empty shell, or do you pick straws, rock, paper, scissors, what do you do? And they're like, nah. And so I threw the one down, nothing, threw the other one down, and then handed the bandit one over, and they just lost their minds. They're like, no fucking way, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And that went on for quite a while. Um, 
which is pretty funny. They actually accused me of slipping a band on that leg because I was over there for a while, but I was taking pictures of it. I was, you know, have you ever heard of that? What I've heard of is people accusing guides of taking bands off so that the that the clients don't get it. I can't believe I was actually being accused of putting a, a band on. I guess if it was a fake band and I was just trying to get a good tip or something, like, I guess that would kind of sort of make sense. But, yeah, no, I did not do that. And uh, I did not put my hat in the ring for to draw the, the band. Um, I thought that was pretty damn cool to uh to get that band i don't know if i did it the right way though i wonder if i should have just walked up and handed it to the to the uh soon to be dead man there and uh i mean his life's pretty much over anyways would have been a kind of nice thing but they were actually happy the way i did it because apparently that guy gets all the bands anyways when they do draws back home so they're like screw that guy (laughs) we're keeping it as is uh and that, that was that was pretty awesome I had a had a really good time with those guys. Uh, pretended that I was 21 again. We hit the bar Friday night, shut that thing down, um, which, you know, terrible idea because I have to get up in basically two and a half hours. And I'm old now. As I yawn, oh, my God, it's just bringing up terrible memories. But we had a ton of fun playing pool, um, darts, which I suck at, and there's some buck hunter. They were playing bags. I never did play bags. Um, we had a ton of fun there, but get up the next morning and there's two of them, two of the six are there. Um, I would, I, I can't really say the other four were hurting. The other, one of the other four had to be sober cab for the other three that were pretty much still drunk. Um, but they got there eventually and, uh, you know, continued to hunt, shot, a, shot a few more birds and then uh, decided to, uh, yeah, hit the bar yet again. So we go, <laughs> go to the bar Saturday night and get into it again. And uh, playing pool, I lost the first game. And then I think I proceeded to win the next 28 or four, whatever. It was either 28 or four games. I don't remember. Um, I crushed them. And then I uh, crushed them at Big Buck Hunter. And that was fun. Oh, we did impromptu karaoke each night, too. Uh, the bartender uh, slash DJ. They have a live mic there. So that was uh, some good drunk entertainment. Also was to be found on Snapchat. Uh, another reason to, or maybe not to, follow me on Snapchat. And uh, so, yeah, shut the bar down again Saturday night. Another two and a half hours of sleep. I get up, head to the field. Crickets. Nobody's there. I'm shooting birds. They're coming in. They're working great. They're literally on the deck, flying right at me. There's nobody in that blind but me. Um, send a text. I get a text like, yeah, we're moving a little slow this morning. I'm like, all right, well, I'm shooting birds, so you should probably hurry up. And they're like, okay, blah, blah, blah. Hours pass. Phone rings. That's Wisconsin number. I answer. And he's like, yeah, this is um, this is the call of shame. And mistakes were made. <laughs> <laughs> which at this point I was like, I pretty much figured because Sundays are usually a half day anyways. Um, I said, well, you're, you're missing out. I think I shot five myself and you know, we had multiple, I had multiple really good flocks right on the deck. And uh, yeah, that, that part was unfortunate, but 
they had a really good time. I had a really good time. Um, hopefully made some connections there. I'm going to, I mean, I usually have fun when I hunt Wisconsin, uh, anyways, but now I'm really going to have fun when I hunt Wisconsin, just knowing that like I can now snap them pictures. Like when I get permission to a field that they're not on, so I can just kind of rub it in because that's how friendships are built. <laughs> now, hopefully, hopefully, uh, I get to hunt with them at some point in time. We were actually talked about doing, uh, a podcast when I was out there, but it just, there's no way it would have worked by the time we got out of the field and they all wanted to shower and clean up. And it's the logistics just don't work. Like I, like I said, getting into this, like there's just, it's impossible to podcast and guide snow goose hunts. It like, it literally is impossible. Not to mention the Wi-Fi at the hotel isn't exactly dependable. Believe it or not, it's worse than at my house. So yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, so that, that pretty much brings us up to today. I had a, a, a big group. Eight people came in from uh, Washington, and uh, I was really looking forward to hunting with them. I hunted with them one day. Really good people. Uh, whole whole family. Father, daughter, sons, uh, you know, daughters, I should say. Like, pretty cool. Pretty cool people. Uh, I was having a lot of fun. I think we only shot one bird. We had some work that just, ah, they just wouldn't quite do it. I made some... Made some adjustments to the spread. Uh, we moved the blind, tried to get into a, a better position, um, but just wasn't in the cards that day. And then I get the message about the dog, and then it's like, do I stay out here and you know hope that the treatments work, and then I'm good, I can continue to make money, or do I head back because worst case scenario, you know, if we end up having to to say goodbye. I want would like to have some time with her and be there for that, obviously. And that's what I decided to do. So here I am back at the house and uh, giving you this amazing bit of broadcasting. <laughs> this, this mediocre bit of broadcasting, less than average bit of broadcasting uh, for you to enjoy. So that kind of gets you caught up to where we're at with that. I do have been working with uh, Nick J trying to do some uh, he's recorded a couple waterfall Wednesdays I'm gonna try to put one of those together for you as well um, so hopefully we can get that for you I'm not sure how many more days I'll be in town um, but if I can whip up another quick episode for y'all I will definitely try to do that um, while doing all the stuff but I would really like to get back you know hopefully everything works out. Anno does great, and uh, I can head back out there. Uh, so I got some repeat customer clients that are going to be waiting for me this weekend. So I, I definitely want to uh, get out there and uh, go hunting with them. So that's that. Let's give you a little bit of a rant here. Um, it's one I've kind of touched on before. So I'll make this one kind of short and sweet. Um, on one of the forums on fa- forums on the pages on Facebook, the groups, I guess they're called. No, that's how old I am. I still call them forums. Um, there was a picture, there's a picture floating around with this deer. This neighborhood deer shows up and he's got an arrow in his head, right? Well, this guy goes off in archers, you know, claiming they can make these long ass shots, and this is the result. First of all, it's not a regular arrow; it's a bolt from a crossbow. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not trying to stir that shit pot. I'm just saying there's a distinction there. That's all I'm saying. But the fact this guy goes on this long diatribe of, you know, 
I'm not so much worried about the antis because they don't matter anyways, but it's the it's the just the non-hunters that are watching from the sidelines. They see stuff like this, and this gives all hunters a bad name. And you got all these guys bragging about, oh, I'm I'm a fishing out to 80 yards or 100 yards, and this is the kind of the result, and blah blah blah. blah. Full stop. You don't know that dude. <laughs> we we don't know how that deer ended up with a bolt in his head. It very well could be like you said. It could be somebody taking an iffy shot or a long shot they shouldn't taken. But I think you talk to enough hunters, and if you've hunted long enough yourself, you've experienced some errant shots and not necessarily bad decision shots. Uh, I'll just use my deer from this year. That that shot placement was perfect up and down, left to right. It was about 18 inches back, and it was a gut shot. Thankfully, I nicked the liver, but it, the deer moved. Like the same time I went to hit that trigger on the release, he lunged forward. Nothing I could do at that point. He had been standing still, had a good shot, had the distance right. He moved. What are you going to do? Uh, other people in the thread were like, yep, and I we have it on film, this Right, he goes to shoot, the deer bends down to scratch or whatever, boom, takes one right in the dome. There, It could be a deflection off a branch. It, it could be a number of things. And I do admit that, yes, it could have been a bad shot decision. That is entirely possible. That's a very real possibility. But you're making this entire rant, this entire thing, on pure assumptions, based on what you think it looks like to other people, which, you know, you're probably right. They probably look at that and think, oh, shitty hunters, they're, they're unskilled hunters or whatever, but that might not be the case. And so instead of, you know, finding some middle ground or explaining just what I've explained, like it might not have been, you know, intentional or might not have been a bad shot placement. Sometimes shit happens and you can explain all that, you know? I mean, that you can use it as a teaching moment, but instead... This guy, you used it, he made these assumptions, and he used it as a platform for him to virtue signal to other hunters. That's that's all that is. Because I don't, I don't know what else you're hoping to gain from that because you're putting people on blast that you don't even know are part of this situation. You made up a whole story in your mind so that you could put people on blast and the only thing i think that that would do is stroke your own personal ego that, that's obviously his little pet peeve hunting issue you know, bad archery shots or bad pictures or whatever and so here's this perfect poster child for his pet peeve and uh and he went to it i was pleasantly surprised to see a lot of people in the comments bringing up similar counterpoints like i did like hey we don't know what happened let's just dial her back a little bit and and go from there so um i don't know what to tell you with that just don't be that guy you know we it's it's bad enough if anything you know he's worried about our public opinion or that like we need to stand up for other hunters nobody's perfect everybody makes mistakes sometimes shit happens that's out of your control and bottom line most of the time i mean the deer's out there eating he's got a bolt in his head i mean Call him Frankenstein. I mean, maybe he's gonna maybe, maybe you get him on your game camera next year, and he's doing great. He's got a giant rack, and you get you get to name that thing Frankenstein because he's got a bolt in his head. I mean, that'd be kind of cool. It'd be a cool ass European mount. I can tell you that. I'd leave that arrow in there 100 percent if I end up shooting that deer next year. That would be awesome. Um, but most of the time, 
that's an opportunity for you to talk about how like you know vicious nature is and uncaring nature is and most of the time the vast majority of the time a hunter's kills are are quick and swift and far more humane than any death they're going to receive pretty much in nature there's a video rolling around today it was shared everywhere someone shared it to the full-scale outdoors group page on facebook which you should be joining that too um of this bear killing this uh wild boar and uh i made some assumptions of my own on that one because knowing the nature of of boars of wild boars i have a feeling that that boar probably charged the bear and the bear's like oh you didn't fucked up a a ron you know what i mean like that's that's the typical i think my comment was something like that's what happens when a badass in air quotes meets a real life badass (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> that bear i mean this thing was squealing um it was it wasn't pleasant it's a long video uh i never even watched it all the way to the end so i don't even know if the thing is fully dead at at the end but i've seen videos of bears multiple times eating elk or deer alive like the, the thing is screaming trying to get away and it's just pulling hunks of muscle out of it it's holding it down and just literally eating it alive so which one do you think is worse, right? I, again, so don't be this guy. If if you find an image like that that triggers your feels before you go tickety-tappity on the old keyboard there, um, just question yourself. Why am I doing this? What good can come of this? Is this a teaching moment? Am I only doing this for my own ego? Blah, 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 blah. Is this gonna? Is this helping the hunting community? You know, I, I mean, maybe that's maybe I, maybe I'm naive, and to think that people will take the time to do that. I mean, social media has shown us that's not usually how things are done. Um, but one can hope, right? I mean, I would hope so. So, there's my rant. Uh, it was relatively quick. I think <laughs> wasn't too bad. Uh, quick reminder again. Uh, if you're looking, you're getting jacked up about the spring fishing season, get yourself a kick-ass rod. It doesn't have to be the ultralight that I have. I'm just telling you it's the best ultralight that I personally used. It's The longer is better. That's what she said. Uh, so get a hold of Alan Kishler, Kishler Customs, LLC on Facebook. Have him make you the full-scale ultralight. You put the logo on it if you want it, or you can put whatever. It's custom, so you can have put your name on there. Do whatever. Um, there's no code or anything. I didn't talk to him about this beforehand. It's just an idea I had right before I, I sat down to record because I was thinking about fishing, and the thought that popped into my head is I can't wait to use that rod. So thought I would pass that on to you guys. Uh, you'll love it. It's because perfect um, balance, great craftsmanship. Um, you won't be disappointed. It's not cheap. I mean, I'll tell you that right out of the gate. Um, but good stuff rarely is. So with that, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna leave you alone. Got you got you an episode. Hopefully, I can get you a, a waterfall Wednesday or two up and running. And maybe if the stars align, I can get uh, a full full episode up. That would be pretty cool. I'm gonna try to take advantage of the time that I have. All right, everybody. Whatever your passion, pursue it full scale.